0: hello welcome to the romance me podcast this is erica and i'm em and we'd like to
1: say a special hello to our number one and only fans the chocolates were very much
0: appreciated thank you today we'll be discussing shame on you by tara civet army veteran kennedy is struggling with her new normal civilian life single parenthood and new business ownership in the course of her duties as a bounty hunter she joins forces with griffin a former friend who kept her husband's infidelity a secret while she was serving her country in Afghanistan. While on the hunt for the bail jumper, can Kennedy discover who the actual bad guy is? And can she learn compassion for the men who've wronged her? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning. In this world, casual misogyny, man-hating, gun violence, and familial abuse are funny. (laughs) They are. Yep, yep. At least they think they are. (laughs) <laughs> the characters think it's funny
1: well i mean that's the thing is some of the roots in comedy are rooted in anger and yeah yeah that's
0: <laughs> really used in this book uh, yeah that is the tool one of the many many tools in this book mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i guess we should do the background right with kennedy griffin and the x ex. like explain that dynamic Yeah. I think that's a good place to start.
0: Okay. So, back in high school, Kennedy was dating Alex, and Griffin moved to town, and they all became friends. There was a period of time where Kennedy was attracted to Griffin, thought about breaking up with Alex for him, but she just didn't. Then there was a point where she was on the outs with Alex, and Griffin was going to take her to prom, instead like as friends but he blew her off because his ex-girlfriend wanted him back or something yes and so they just never really got together in spite of that they've been friends ever since and it's not just kennedy alex and griffin it's also like her brothers and cousins and everybody you know they all know each other they're all friends kennedy comes from a military family Uh, Her mom died when she was young, I think.
1: That's what I thought.
0: Her dad and her brothers and everybody in her family has been in the military. And so when Kennedy gets out of high school, she joins up, joins the army. Well, Alex and Griffin also join the army and everything was fine. Kennedy and Alex get married. They have two daughters. Kennedy thinks life is good. And then one day she comes home and discovers her loving husband in bed with another woman who is quite a bit younger than her.
1: Yeah. Like 13 years.
0: Yeah. And heartbroken, Kennedy goes to her friend Griffin to confide in him and get advice. She overhears him on the phone with Alex telling him to keep a secret, which makes her immediately assume the worst. (laughs) because what other secret might Alex want to be keeping you know yeah (laughs) essentially just ghosts Griffin completely after that and divorces Alex and I think it's six months after that so it's not all that long after all this happened that Kennedy that the story picks up yeah after she divorces Alex she gets together with her two best girlfriends Paige and Lorelai and they open a bounty hunting business called fool me once each of her friends has been wronged by a man in different ways kennedy was cheated on one of her friends found out her husband had a gambling addiction and lost all their money and i think the other friend's husband turned out to be gay and left her for a man that particular part of the story i think showed The age of this book a little bit because he's villainized. I felt bad for that husband. It's an
1: awkward thing. And the book definitely takes one point of view and clings
0: to that. He shouldn't have cheated on his wife. Correct. But it just doesn't have any nuance to it. Yeah. He cheated on his wife, therefore he's evil, basically.
1: Maybe in Lorelei's book, because this is a series, if I'm not mistaken, maybe that does become more nuanced one can hope maybe that could be but in this book it's not
0: (laughs) so in this book all men are rat bastards yep because these women all had shitty husbands yep therefore this company it seems like the setup for a rom-com right which i guess this book is meant to be i was wronged by men i will never trust another man let's find all the other cheating horrible men and get them so it's kind of like a form of revenge against men it seems like it they don't just get men they get women too you know people who broke the law or whatever but they have these meetings where they remind each other of why they started this company to begin with
1: <laughs> it could seem like it's supposed to be maybe a cathartic thing but you kind of see how it could be detrimental Especially if no other voices are heard, which maybe as the series progresses, that will change, but book one it isn't
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you never know, and to be fair, when I say the age of the book, it's not that old. this book was first published in twenty fourteen, yeah, but it feels old, I don't know, it's
1: different, like it's it's the kind of book I definitely can imagine reading when I was younger with a completely different mindset than I have now.
0: Okay, that's a good point. Maybe that's what it is. Because I can imagine being 20 years old, getting dumped by a guy who cheated on me or something, and going through that I hate all men phase and reading this book and totally vibing with that aspect of it, possibly.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see being in a specific point in my life and being like, yep, totally. And certain things that we warned about At the beginning, the casual misogyny, the guns are a comedic prop thing. Yeah. The physical, it can be interpreted as physical abuse within the family, where there's like, yeah, no, I don't find that funny now. But I can see where that is supposed to be funny. And maybe for some it is.
0: Yeah, I think, okay, so you brought up the physical abuse in the family part. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Before we get too much further in. Because Kennedy is the only woman in her family, really. Mm -hmm. She's got a dad and an uncle and brothers and cousins and they're all male. And yeah, she has an aunt, but that aunt doesn't really come into the picture too much. Her dad is an Irish Catholic and therefore does not appreciate people saying goddamn and smacks his kids upside the head when they say goddamn.
1: All other swears are fine, but that particular
0: one is a buzzword. There's a couple points in the story where he does. He smacks Kennedy upside the head one time. He smacks, I think her brother one time when they accidentally say, God damn, something or other. Mm -hmm. Everyone just takes it as a matter of course. Like, well, obviously I said, God damn, therefore he hit me. Okay. That's, I deserved it. Or I don't know. I had it coming. We know he's going to do that. And it just, really bothered me (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. it reminds me of a couple times um i i'm not gonna name the friend but i had a friend tell me something where her family would always tell this story like it was really funny Mm. and it always bothered her and she couldn't figure out why it bothered her and i said because it's really fucked up (laughs) like the story is fucked up and the fact that they keep bringing it up is fucked up that's why yeah and and she was like oh and, and she, it she had never occurred to her that it was fucked up oh because that was what was normal yeah you know yeah and i think that this is kind of that thing kennedy and her brother it's they're normal
1: yeah i didn't necessarily think of it as abuse and so when we were talking about the content warnings in the beginning and you brought that up i was like yes i i see how it is but I had that whole, but it's not. <laughs> like I was arguing <laughs> with you in my head. You just couldn't hear it because it was safely contained within Monogan. I I think where for me it seems less abusive is because they the way that Kennedy and her her brothers react. Well, yeah, it's not like they're cowering in the corner or whatever. So it's sort of like, oh, okay. This would make me uncomfortable, but
0: <laughs> they're they're not carrying in the corner, therefore it's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean throughout this great <laughs> wide world of ours, there's lots of cultural norms that for me would be weird because they're not my norm.
0: <laughs> but, you know, that's their norm. I don't know. I think smacking someone's head is not fine. <laughs> I wouldn't appreciate
1: my head smacked. <laughs> at a certain point it's like because you know it's the idea of spanking
0: yeah well there's levels of abuse right yeah so for for
1: some for some parents (laughs) and in some households spanking is abuse for others it is not it is a parenting tool and so i kind of saw it as this although i'm thinking they're adults but it just it's a different norm
0: yeah except you don't spank your toddler's head true (laughs) Not to get too far into it, but I I I don't agree with spanking, but I think that there are levels of spanking, right? Yeah. There's like a swat on the diapered butt versus, you know, taking a belt to a bare bottom, right? <laughs> Go outside and pick your switch. Yeah, no. Even at that level, you're not hitting their head. Yeah, no. You're not giving them brain damage.
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, even even when it was like, oh, a smack on the head, I just, I didn't assume it was that rough.
0: But maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah, and maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's me minimizing. Who the hell knows? I guess the thing is, like, yes, I appreciate it is physical abuse. I didn't
0: necessarily really treat it that way yeah and it's not treated that way in the book at all
1: because again the characters around like nobody is surprised nobody is cowering or shrinking or flinching or traumatized or anything
0: yeah no he smacks them in front of the whole family yeah yeah it's a total normal thing like it's totally fine yeah (laughs) in the book
1: (laughs) like I said world building in this world this is okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) As long as you can go in with with that understanding. It's like, okay, well, it's not funny to me. So obviously, this book isn't written for someone with my sense of humor, and that's fine. But there's also the whole side conversation that we just had. It's just, I feel bad for Kennedy that she grew up in a household where her dad felt okay hitting her upside the head.
1: I guess I don't feel bad (laughs) because she doesn't, if she started to seem like she was traumatized by it, Or troubled by it, then I would. But since she doesn't, I guess I don't. She doesn't know better. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Again, I just... I'm trying in my wizened age to be just more understanding. Maybe this is not something I should try to be understanding about. I don't know. I'm still learning about being understanding.
0: (laughs) I just got out of a whole debate with my husband about how I just... (laughs) cut people off really coldly when they hit a certain line so
1: no i mean there is that
0: (laughs) to consider you know that i do yeah exactly
1: (laughs) yeah and and again it's it doesn't mean that like i mean certainly if somebody tried to hit me upside the head that would not be a fucking
0: assault (laughs) it's assault and
1: battery i would think of it as assault but not everybody does and just because they don't think of it as assault doesn't immediately mean that they think that they're a victim of something.
0: Yeah, no, but I can still feel bad for her.
1: Yeah, you can. You totally can. You totally can.
0: She doesn't consider herself a victim and that's fine, but I do. Yeah. I consider her a victim.
1: And that's, that is fine. You can feel all of your feels. But yeah, I guess because she doesn't, then I'm just like, eh,
0: it's her normal. It is. Yep. At any rate... Um, Her dad and her uncle own a bail bond company, and so sometimes Kennedy will work with them because a suspect who was arrested will sometimes use the bail bond company that her dad owns and then jump bail and Kennedy will be the bounty hunter for that bond. She's really close with her family, I think. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. The story picks up with this newest case that has come across Kennedy's desk. Uh, this guy, McFadden, has jumped his bail and she's going to go get him. Her friends slash business partners all have different roles in the company. Kennedy is the one who likes to use the gun and go out and catch the bad guy. One of her friends, I think, is a lawyer And one of her friends is like, I'm not sure what she does.
1: Yeah, Lorelai's the lawyer and Paige, I'm not sure. I know she's supposed to be like model pretty, but I don't. And I think she did something like that before. But I think after getting her bank accounts wiped out by her ex, I think the only thing that she does now is the working at Fool Me Once. And of course, her situation may be explained better in her book, too.
0: Probably. I want to talk a little bit about McFadden. He's a character. Maybe we should have content warned for this, but it felt like we were making fun of someone with mental illness. Like it felt like the book was making fun of someone with mental illness to me.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's hard to tell. (laughs) It felt like the narrator of the book poked at a lot of different people unfavorably.
0: I don't think that the quote-unquote issues with McFadden were recognized as mental illness by the author, definitely not by the characters. Yeah. But it kind of pinged my radar a little bit, having worked in the library world with people who do suffer with mental illness coming in off the street, and they believe all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes they do criminal things. Yeah. But I still... Kind of feel compassion for those people, but in McFadden's case, he believes in aliens in kind of that comical sort of aliens are coming to get me. They read my thoughts. They're gonna probe my behind sort of way. He wears tinfoil hats. He sells tinfoil hats. He's he's got a lot of issues. He has a very um, prolific criminal record, but it's all really, I would say. Minor type stuff, but he's definitely (laughs) made some bad choices. (laughs) In this particular case, he was arrested for a burglary and then got out on bail, went back to the scene of the crime, and stole the chihuahua from the people he originally tried to steal from. (laughs) And now he's on the run. (laughs) That was another thing. He refers to this chihuahua as his best friend. Hmm. and i just i don't know i felt bad for mcfadden
1: (laughs) i did too i liked mcfadden actually
0: i thought he was a good character he was interesting yeah i didn't like that it felt like we were laughing at him believing in aliens but maybe it's fine i i don't know yeah
1: i don't i had a hard time with the tone of this book because there were, there were clearly lots of things that the narrator thought was funny. And the narrator and I just differ on what is humorous.
0: Maybe it was mental illness, maybe it wasn't. But it felt like it to me, especially due to my background. And I was just like, that seems fucked up to laugh at him over that. He's not in on that joke.
1: I, I completely get where you're coming from. There's another example, I feel, which is with the hairdresser's dog.
0: Oh, yeah. That
1: was having issues. And I'm like, this seems concerning. This doesn't seem funny. I think it was barking constantly. I remember that one in particular. And, like, Kennedy had zero compassion for the dog. It was frustrating. Yeah. She definitely, Kennedy, definitely, like, tested that axiom of the female character has to be likable.
0: (laughs) you didn't care for kennedy
1: (laughs) no which is weird because i feel like in certain certain times in my life i feel like that answer would have been very different yeah because there were lots of things about her personality and her outlook that i certainly related to and even walking around with at least what i assume kennedy walks around with all this pent-up anger enraged just looking for an outlet and so i get that i think it's where i'm just trying to go like kennedy (laughs) i want to have a sit down with kennedy not that she would appreciate it
0: (sighs) (laughs) come on girl chill (laughs) yeah it was just like let's vent this in a more appropriate way
1: (laughs) yeah it was just oh (laughs) and i i think i've said this with other books before so bear with me, but it's how characters, and and in real life too, this is true, how they treat those that have no power. Yeah. And pets, to me, or animals in general, animals, trees, nature, all of that, zero power. (laughs) I think it's brought up in other books too, and I've certainly seen this too, it's like how people treat waitstaff, or people in positions of service yeah that is telling sometimes i mean everybody's got a bad day like i said understanding just not making that first step to people did this intentionally or somebody did this intentionally he's like no they may have been thoughtless i know that's been me
0: (laughs) yeah like to bring it back to the yappy dog that the hairdresser owns It was the dog's problem that it was yappy. It wasn't the fault of the owner, as far as Kennedy was concerned. And I think that's kind of the problem with it.
1: I was concerned the dog had something wrong. It probably did. Because there were other things too, like it was licking itself or biting itself I don't know there was just a whole bunch of things wrong it seemed and I'm just like somebody needs to take that poor thing to a vet
0: well when you find out who the owner is I'm not really surprised like it makes sense that the dog would have something wrong maybe (laughs)
1: yeah and I mean again that's another thing like the hairdresser character too did not seem to be written in a compassionate way or a nuanced way none of the characters were I felt (laughs) Everybody's a caricature.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, we'll talk about the hairdresser shortly. Let's (laughs) let's get into a little bit of the plot here. Okay. So Kennedy is on the case to find McFadden because he jumped bail. He had a bond with her dad, so she goes to his business to pick up any information that they have, and her dad informs her that he has a new hire who used to be a cop, And he's going to be working with Kennedy so she can show him the ropes. Lucky her. She's like really pissed off about this. She's one of those I work alone type of people. But oh well, she (laughs) can't get out of it because her dad doesn't understand boundaries. She goes to what is suspected to be McFadden's house. And as she's approaching, a guy on a motorcycle pulls up. And at first, she's really into this. She really likes motorcycles. She thinks this guy is really attractive looking, like his body and everything. And she's checking him out. And then she realizes, as he takes his helmet off, that this is Griffin, her ex-friend. The one who betrayed her because he supposedly told her ex-husband to hide his infidelity from her. He the uh, the situation between Kennedy and Griffin is a whole thing to me. Yeah. <sighs> she definitely is, I think there's like a trope where you're kind of betrayed by your body sort of thing. And I mm. think this book definitely goes there. She's very, very into him physically. There's definitely physical chemistry there. There's history there too. But I think a large part of it is just like, oh, wow, lady bits are tingly. Mm-hmm griffin he's one of those characters that seems to think everything is kind of jokey yeah like he kind of assumes that she's checking him out or maybe he catches her checking him out and he thinks it's funny and he teases her about it and then of course she denies it because she's mad at him still she was hurt by him he doesn't seem to be taking her hurt seriously They have a conversation, she's trying to tell him to go away, and then all of a sudden there are gunshots, and he dives over her and drops her to the ground to protect her. And then McFadden drives through the garage door, the closed garage door, (laughs) and escapes, which pisses Kennedy off. She feels like she would have caught him if Griffin hadn't showed up and distracted her and whatnot which is probably maybe true i don't know but hey it's funny it's hijinks Mm -hmm. kennedy is all tussled up now she's got leaves in her hair she's really upset she tells griffin to fuck off and then she goes to lick her wounds with her friends she's trying to convince one of them to take on the case instead of her which they don't do and they've never done Her friends can't really get over the fact that she looks like she got run over by a lawnmower. (laughs) I don't know. They're very distracted by her appearance.
1: Which is just so weird to me.
0: Like, (laughs) different strokes. I mean, it's played up for laughs, right? Yeah, all them laughs. It's meant to be, I think. I I think it's meant to be. No, I think you're right. I didn't find it funny. This is kind of a book that relies on physical comedy, I think, quite a bit. Yeah. And I just don't really care for most of that, personally. That's just a personal preference of mine.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it depends on how it's done, like anything, for me.
0: I agree, it depends on the execution, and to me, it also depends on the prevalence of it. Mm. yeah. If it's one or two really awesome, funny takes... Sure. If it's just beat after beat after beat meant to be funny and it's physical, I'm just over it immediately. Yeah. One of Kennedy's friends says she'll handle it. She makes a phone call. Kennedy at first thinks that she's transferring this case to another firm so that Kennedy will no longer have to do it. No, come to find out, her friend needs Kennedy to go get her roots touched up at the hairdresser while she's working with Griffin. She can't look like that when she's working with Griffin because, you know, her roots are important, not her feelings or emotional state. Well, the or... male gaze is incredibly important. <laughs> Ugh. Her friend takes her to the salon. The hairdresser is named Sven, but kennedy knows that his real name is steven and he's actually not from some other country even though he uses a very like a parody of an accent like imagine like the Swedish chef from (laughs) the muppets Mm -hmm. but sven is touching up her roots mcfadden shows up wanting salon services for his dog that he stole the dog happens to be a chihuahua named Tinkerdoodle, just so we're just so we're clear on that. <laughs> Sven's dog, the salon dog, is named Mrs. Justin Bieber.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: All right, we can talk about Sven. We've introduced him. Sven <laughs> is like the book doesn't come out and say it, but he's definitely a stereotypical or or he portrays himself as a very stereotypical gay European hairdresser guy from like the 90s. Like a sitcom type of character. At least that's what I got out of it. I got that too. Okay. And he is annoying to Kennedy. Like super annoying to Kennedy. Anyway, we don't know if he's actually gay. It, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter for the story. But it felt like that was played up for laughs to me, yeah. I think. And I just wasn't here for it.
1: Yeah, basically, everything is played up to laughs. Or at least that's the
0: idea. (laughs) I'm (laughs) serious. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true.
1: (laughs) No, it's, it's definitely a funny, 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 cram this down your throat funny. And I love comedy. I do. I like lots of different types of comedy. And good comedy. I think good comedic writing presents characters as close to as as one can as to whole people, not just a stereotype of a person or a cliche of a personality or something. And that's where I think really good comedy is. It's hard to do. Comedy, I think, is harder to do well than almost freaking anything else. (laughs) truly and so i only say that to to say that the bar is super high so when you have stories where they don't take the time to do that and they just try to slap you in the face with the punchline all the time (laughs) it's draining like yep so funny
0: moving on now to me it broke the immersion like anytime i started to kind of get into the storyline whatsoever it had to try to be funny
1: yeah i mean part of it is like kennedy is just in such a dissatisfied and angry place i feel like this character is just mad at everything it doesn't even matter who it is
0: she does seem very angry yeah it's
1: sven who isn't hurting anybody she's angry at him because he exists
0: and then his poor dog yeah oh my gosh
1: (laughs) but like it's, oh, I know what his real name is. I know it's it's a deceit of some kind. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe this identity of Sven is who this character really thinks they are. So it's not a fabrication. We don't know because they're just a cookie cut out of a person. And that's what I mean. It's just ultimately unsatisfying as a reader or for me. If we think of of stories as as something we consume and we take internally, there's that stick to your ribs kind of story. This just isn't. <laughs> at
0: least not for me. It's
1: <laughs> it's very much a one and done.
0: For me it's like biting into something you think is delicious and then discovering oh it's actually plastic.
1: Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this decorative plastic fruits and candies and things as a kid. You're like, oh, that looks really nope.
0: <laughs> and especially if you get like little flakes of something gross in your mouth after mm. you're just like, ugh. Bleh, bleh, like the whole time.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, back to the story. So McFadden showed up at the salon. Kennedy has her gun with her, but she took it off because Sven said it made him uncomfortable. So she tries to go snag McFadden, but she's got foils all in her hair from getting her highlights redone. Her friend tries to help. Sven tries to help. It's this whole, I'm just picturing like a comedic moment in a movie. Everyone's stumbling over everyone else. Things are falling over. People are tripping on things. There's a point, I think, where her friend's high heel punctures a shampoo bottle and makes her slip or something. Yeah, like a rom-com. Yeah, Sven, he falls over but manages to grab McFadden's pant leg. McFadden is trying to escape. I forget exactly what happens, but the end result is McFadden does get to escape.
1: Yeah, I was surprised, like, Sven really tried. He gave it his all. Good for him.
0: He did. No credit from Kennedy. Yeah, and then Kennedy runs out of the salon, trying to get McFadden, but he's gone at this point. And then, of course, Griffin shows up kennedy is out on the sidewalk she's wearing the cape she's got all the foils in her hair so she's looking super hot and sexy griffin has to make fun of her appearance and in a jokey way i guess ha ha he wants to talk to her he's trying to bury the past i think and this is just not the moment
1: (laughs) read the room buddy
0: she tells him basically to fuck off and he says okay well we'll talk later (laughs) and then kennedy is like Oh, good, because whenever men say they'll do something later, they never do. And she goes on this whole, like, mental diatribe about how men never live up to their promises. Therefore, she's so happy that Griffin said later, because that means that never is what will actually happen. And it's just this whole thing. And I'm just like, okay, I I guess. (laughs) One thing I didn't mention, though, is that McFadden noticed all the foil in... Kennedy's hair and therefore he kind of feels like they're kindred spirits in a way. He interprets it as one of his alien hats. Mhm. And he thinks like maybe she bought one of his hats or something and she believes also and it's this whole thing and oh, in another life they could have been friends type of thing. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, which Kennedy doesn't really pick up on at all. Kennedy goes back into the salon to find her friend comforting Sven. Kennedy feels no sympathy for Sven whatsoever, even though his entire shop got trashed and he tried really hard to help out and failed and he's just all upset and he's worried about his dog and he's worried about all this stuff and Kennedy's like, whatever, she doesn't care. Get back to work, Sven. (laughs) 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 He Later, Kennedy is at home. Griffin shows up at her house to explain himself. This calls back to her whole mental diatribe about later. She's shocked that he actually meant it. Who knew? Mm -hmm. He mentions during this conversation that he didn't think the cheating was that serious. Like he thought maybe it was an emotional affair or something that happened one time. And Alex was actually sorry and remorseful. He didn't know the whole time. He only knew about this one instance. Kennedy changes the subject to McFadden. Again, she just wants Griffin to get the hell away. Like, go away. Leave me alone. Let me do my job by myself. That's the way I like it. You're not welcome here. But her lady bits disagree. So we have some, I guess, sexual tension. (laughs) Wow. Ringing endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) Griffin makes a bet with Kennedy. He says, well, if you catch McFadden first, then you can punch me for what I did to you. Kennedy immediately agrees to this and then he's like okay great and as he leaves she's like oh wait what what happens if you win though and he says well if I win then you have to go on a date with me she's like well shit 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 I think there's a part of her where she is wondering oh does he actually like me but who knows later I don't know if it's the same day I feel like it is But anyway, she's at this women's self-defense group with her friends. I think she leads it. It feels like she does. I don't know. But they learn at the end of their meeting that, oh, McFadden is supposed to be at this bar. So her one friend, Paige, the model friend, has great outfits for everyone in her car and they all get dressed up and go to this bar. To find McFadden. In a way, her friends, I think, are trying to be supportive by doing this. Because they recognize how upset Kennedy is over the whole Griffin thing. Mm -hmm. So, solidarity, maybe? Maybe? They want to help her win the bet. Although, they also want her to date Griffin. So, I don't know. (laughs) They get to the bar. And while there, Chloe shows up chloe is alex's mistress and the way chloe is described in this book is just horribly disgusting like super slut shamey it is so awful
1: yeah the voice the narrator gave for chloe's character was very valley girl very young valley girl
0: i i don't know like i get that we're supposed to hate her yeah and that's and that's fine i'm okay with hating the husband's ex-husband's mistress right right but dude is it's just diminishing her in a physical way just like oh well she's got her boobs done and she's got her lips done and she dresses like Malibu Barbie and using the slut slur and just I don't know and up to this point in the story I was writing off a lot of this stuff I think there's a point where she has a whole conversation where where Kennedy has a whole conversation with her daughter and she's thinking about like how her daughter's dressing and whatnot, and I'm just like, okay, I, I guess it's fine. It's not really, but I'm trying to write it off. Yeah. And then we got to this part of the story and I was just like, Oh wow. No, this is actually a problem in the story to me. Yeah. Just very slut shamey, very oh, Kennedy's not like other girls type of energy.
1: Yeah, it's okay to mistreat her because she is this type of female who is not worthy of respect or whatever. I was on the same boat you were, I think, or at least if not on the same boat, certainly in the same part of the river, where (laughs) I was like, okay, this is the woman he was cheating with, ergo dislike, right? Yeah. But at the end, I'm just like, honestly, I just felt bad for her. Which is not what I thought I was going to be feeling.
0: (laughs) And keep in mind, all of this is in Kennedy's head, right? right? So she's not spewing any of this garbage out into the world, thankfully. But it's just awful. It made me really dislike Kennedy. That she thinks about other women that way. Even if they are the mistress of her ex-husband. Yeah. I just... Ugh. Ew. Ew. Chloe comes up. I think she wants to be friends with Kennedy. It kind of feels that way.
1: Yeah, Chloe also doesn't know how to read a room. I think.
0: <laughs> no, she's very vapid. <laughs> she's written as as just an airhead. Kennedy is ready to rip her a new one, and then she starts thinking and churning, and she's comparing herself to Chloe, and she just starts feeling really bad about herself. Here's this woman who's thirteen years younger than me. She's definitely good looking, even though I disapprove of how she looks. Maybe I'm just not gonna ever measure up to a woman like that. Maybe this is what men want. I think it was kind of along those lines, kind of throwing herself a little mental pity party. And then right as she starts hitting that really negative energy, Griffin comes up behind her and wraps her in this big hug and he acts like they're together which makes chloe and her girlfriends who came up with her kind of jelly because obviously griffin is super hot guys Mm -hmm. that's all we care about griffin kisses kennedy it's a great kiss kennedy is super into it he kind of tells her friends oh hey here's the next round on me i'm gonna go talk to kennedy over there like they're together type of thing and as they're walking off Kennedy is starting to think, oh, wow, well, maybe he is into me. Like, maybe, maybe this is real. And then Griffin says, oh, yeah, it looks like you needed rescuing over there. Sorry about kissing you.
1: Uh-oh. Which pisses
0: Kennedy off. She felt more invested in that kiss and she feels like he didn't feel invested at all after all. Anyway, she's like, okay, well, bye. And she leaves. <laughs> now it's the next day i think but it's and and this is my lack of sports ball knowledge is showing but it's football day i put in the notes i'm not sure what day football happens depends (laughs) so it's football day guys and by football i mean american football yes kennedy is getting her girls ready to go over to her dad's house her dad is having a whole block party thing to celebrate football while Kennedy's trying to get the girls ready Alex shows up by surprise he was supposed to take the girls like the day before or something but he blew her off but now he's like oh can I take the girls today I think it would be great Kennedy's like um okay she notices Alex has a black eye she asks him about it he's like oh um yeah I walked into a door." (laughs) Kennedy's like okay well here are my children I guess your children too enjoy yeah she knows he's lying but she doesn't poke him about it no uh she goes to the block party at her dad's place Griffin is there a bunch of people are there her dad is super into the dip that Kennedy brought like to an unreasonable degree kennedy and griffin have a conversation she notices that griffin's hand is kind of messed up and he says oh yeah i punched a door or something like that <laughs> and he's like oh did you now hmm uh they're in the kitchen together talking the way they talk is like he doesn't really admit to punching alex but he knows that she knows and she knows that he knows she knows and they're having like this conversation and like Oh, you did it for me type of thing. <laughs> yes. She tells him something like, oh, well, you didn't really want to kiss me last night. That's why I was mad or something like that. And then he kisses her again. No, I definitely want to kiss you. And they're making out and he's got her up on the kitchen counter and they're grinding and it's this whole thing. And, and then he lets it slip that he's been wanting her like this for 18 years. And this just kind of blows Kennedy's mind. Like, oh, wow, he's wanted me ever since he moved here. She doesn't like the way he told her, I think. Yeah, I agree. So she's upset. She leaves. She finds out McFadden is at the block party at a different house. So she goes to get him. Griffin also goes to get him, but he goes the opposite direction. She finds McFadden. He's grilling hamburgers. And everyone at the block party thinks this is fine. Kennedy's waving a gun around nobody's taking her seriously she goes over to mcfadden she's trying to get him he throws meat like raw meat he sticks tinker doodle on her which helps him escape because kennedy was not expecting to be attacked by a chihuahua a very vicious chihuahua yeah and then as she's going after mcfadden she slips all in the raw meat and gets it all over herself and it's just disgusting And McFadden gets away. So she goes back to her dad. She's taking a shower. As she's done with the shower, Griffin lets himself into the room while she's just wrapped in a towel because he wants to talk. Okay. (laughs) This is fine because he's hot. Yes. Kennedy recognizes that whenever Griffin is around, her brain turns off. Brain in off mode. Okay. Griffin talks... I don't even know that it's important what he says. But it gets to kissing. Um, he starts fingering her. Maybe they're going to have sex. It's hot and heavy. And then Kennedy's brother walks in on them. Because no one understands boundaries in this world. <laughs> Griffin doesn't. What are those? Kennedy's brother doesn't. Her dad doesn't. <laughs> Nobody. Boundaries? What?
1: What, what is that? what is this boundaries of which you speak
0: (laughs) (laughs) then we get this whole scene where obviously you know kennedy's brother needs eye bleach and he's just can't believe what he saw and kennedy's friend leads him down the stairs the brother is just obsessively disturbed by what happened what he saw And then we get to, I think, the only part of the book that I thought was funny. This actually got a legit chuckle from me. (laughs) Yay. So one of Kennedy's friends is telling everyone at the party, oh, yeah, no, Kennedy and Griffin, they're just talking. It's fine. They're just talking. And then Kennedy's dad shouts up, Griffin, you better be wearing protection while you talk to my daughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I chuckled as well. I liked
0: that part. I thought that was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> One, because the dad isn't bothered that his daughter's sexually active at all. So the slut shaming doesn't happen in his head, apparently. Yay! And then also, yay, condoms, right?
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> Griffin asks Kennedy if they can just cancel the bet and then just say they're dating. And Kennedy is like, no, I will never <laughs> lose a bet or cancel the bet. The bet is on forever. And then we get to this weird part where Kennedy starts thinking that maybe Griffin is distracting her with sex so that he'll win the bet, which doesn't make any logical sense at all. And Kennedy even realizes that this makes no sense, but for whatever reason, she's still bothered by the idea that he's quote distracting her. (laughs) Two days later, they've had no contact her friends are trying to console her with wine. Kennedy's drunk. They decide they're going to break into her dad's business to search Griffin's desk to see if he has any leads on McFadden. So they do. Because of course they do. Of course. I guess they don't really break in because she has a key. But still. They find nothing at Griffin's desk and so they fuck up his workstation instead. Or or they prank him. Right? That's that's what it is. <laughs> they prank him. I mean, they were drunk, so I guess it seemed like a good idea. I don't know.
1: Drunk ideas are best ideas.
0: This starts a whole prank war between Kennedy and Griffin because he calls her and he's like, this is on. And then he ends up retaliating by taking out an ad in the newspaper that makes her business sound like an escort service. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a way way farther than just fucking up his workstation i think i agree you know penis post-its on the desk is a lot less worrisome than being flooded by calls at your place of business looking for a good time yeah
1: i mean and you can always make those little penises happy little penises like it can be clearly made with a sense of whimsy whereas his retaliation feels more vindictive than is
0: warranted yes (sighs) i feel like this book just went like it took a hard right into insanity she's like all right yeah no it's not realistic at all now (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's fucking up her business that's so messed up yeah and no one's mad they're just annoyed or amused even yeah i just don't get like it doesn't make any sense to me my brain is just does not compute okay yeah neither did mine i guess it's fine (laughs) you are not alone and then her dad is like even oh trying to negotiate higher prices or something it's just oh ew (laughs) why stop (laughs) make it stop
1: yeah this is like you were saying earlier this is not a funny story that you retell This is horrible.
0: Yeah, this is genuinely fucked up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, then Kennedy and her friends get a police officer in on it to give Griffin a possible lead on McFadden that ends up being the address of a bachelorette party for one of Kennedy's friend's cousins, I think. And then they've told the cousin and the bachelorette party goers that if a bounty hunter shows up he's actually a stripper don't take him seriously uh-huh. <laughs> and so griffin is at this hotel room being mauled by drunk horny women kennedy starts to feel kind of bad so she goes to rescue him but they think she's also a stripper i guess And then Kennedy's dad shows up, Griffin and Kennedy end up leaving, and the dad is like, no, it's fine, I'll handle it over here. It's like, um, okay, great, have fun, dad. (laughs) But this whole scene, I just, it was uncomfortable to me, I guess? Like, more than funny, I was just... Yeah. One, it was hard for me to get into, and when I'm reading it and trying to make myself like, okay, well, let's immerse, let's, okay, this is happening, (laughs) And then it just made me feel weird and uncomfortable. And I'm just like, ew. Yeah. I like it better when I'm not invested. All right. (laughs) Back out. (laughs) And we're retreating. (laughs) And we're doing it slowly. And for some reason, you know, this rabid, drunk women sexually harassing people is funny. Supposedly. Ha 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 ha. And the dad is, you know, taking a bullet for them. (laughs) <laughs> go him <Yay. laughs> yeah guess. i don't know I, I don't know all right kennedy's brothers are in law enforcement also and they give her some info on mcfadden and it turns out that mcfadden is actually friends with sven the hairstylist remember his name is steven so sven is the hairstylist steven is big in the pot world That's how it's worded in the story, too. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, I'm the one who says things like, oh, do pot. So, I mean, (laughs) I kind of feel like (laughs) I shouldn't be pointing any fingers here, but didn't sound (laughs) like something a police officer would say. They warn Kennedy off, telling her, oh, the police need to handle this now. You need to leave him alone. They also confirm that Griffin has always had a thing for her, so he's not just blowing smoke up her ass when he says he's wanted her for 18 years. Kennedy is both relieved by that, but also confused because she remembers that Griffin ditched her on prom. Mm-hmm. But she also realizes in this moment that she's in love with Griffin.
1: Surprise! It's love. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Uh Kennedy is hiding in her office thinking deep thoughts. <laughs> so deep. Griffin magically shows up again to find her. He wants to talk <laughs> like usual. <laughs> she says she doesn't want to talk, so they have sex instead. Griffin tells her he's always loved her. They have lots of sex that night. They end up spending the night at the office. She sneaks out in the morning while he's asleep because she wants to go catch Sven slash Steven before Griffin still. The bet is still on for her. Even though he loves her and she loves him, even though she didn't tell him, the bet is more important. And even though her brothers told her it was too dangerous for her to go, she's still going.
1: Bet his life.
0: <laughs> Seriously. For some people, that is the case. For Kennedy, it, did. it is. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it turns out that Sven slash Steven is actually a really bad guy. He was letting McFadden hide out at his place. Um, When Kennedy shows up, he points a gun at her. He's upset. McFadden comes down. He acts like he's going to turn himself in. Steven is just pissed off because now the cops know where his product is located he's going to either shoot mcfadden or he's going to shoot kennedy or he's going to shoot both of them who knows it's looking kind of bad but kennedy then remembers that tinker doodle is secretly an attack dog and she hints to mcfadden about that and he six tinker doodle on steven that works as a <laughs> distraction kennedy and mcfadden run off into the cornfield yeah, they run off into the cornfield. Uh, I think Steve's house is a barn or something. I don't know. I don't remember. It's fine. <laughs> they don't get very far because McFadden sees crop circles in the cornfield and uh, aliens are real.
1: No, um, keep in mind, all that's <laughs> already been debunked, but Okay
0: steven shows up he catches them he's got them held at gunpoint it's looking bad again griffin shows up magically knowing where everyone is he and steve start fighting it's looking kind of bad steve drops his gun though mcfadden picks it up and manages to shoot off steven's hand which is just (laughs) oh but okay i mean i guess it's good he's a good shot (laughs) go you man yay So now Stephen is caught, McFadden is caught, the cops are coming, Griffin says to Kennedy, oh good, you won the bet, so I guess you don't have to go on a date with me after all, and then she punches him in the face, and then she says they could call it a tie. Yay. Remember, if she wins the bet, she gets to punch him, so it's fine, he was okay with it.
1: I understand that people solve problems that way, it just always makes me go, yee.
0: uh, not people i want to hang out with i i don't get it and then we get an epilogue that is two weeks later it's finally the date night that griffin has wanted to take her on we get a little bit of closure for things so tinker doodle got returned to his original owners mcfadden is in jail but he and kennedy are kind of friendly now because kennedy's gonna check in on tinker doodle for him Steve is going to prison for being a pot lord. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just using terminology in line with the terminology used in the story.
1: I know. I know. I just
0: couldn't help myself. (laughs) I'm leaning into it. (laughs) Lean away, McDuff. (laughs) There are some insinuations that something is going on with Paige, but we don't know what it is i think that's kind of prep for the next book and then griffin apologizes to kennedy for ditching her on prom night and then she tells him she loves him and he's all oh thank goodness and then they kiss and that's the end
1: yay
0: how is the audiobook
1: so the audiobook was narrated by amy mcfadden (laughs) yes mcfadden that's funny i know (laughs) I think McFadden did project the personalities of the various characters in the manner that the author intended.
0: That was very carefully said.
1: (laughs) Yay. Go me. And they were all distinct. So yay. Yeah. I don't know if this necessarily should get brought up under like the narrator part or is more for the story overall. Uh, and again, I I didn't have, like, words on the page, so I don't know how it was written. But there was just a lot of energy. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I found that to be incongruous with myself quite a
0: lot of the time. Do you mean that you weren't feeling like the book brought you there? Like it was lying to you about what the story was?
1: I, 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 it's a hard thing to put a... words to because i'm not sure what to attribute it to if it was a me thing if it was a performance thing if it was a text thing like it was a you know just story thing and there were parts where like the energy in the in the performance was real high and i don't know if that was i don't know whose call that was (laughs) i don't know if it was the narrator i don't know if it was feedback from the author or publisher or whoever provided feedback or if there were just a lot of exclamation points on the page. Ergo, increase the energy level. But yeah, that it made me uncomfortable at points. Maybe I'm just sensitive.
0: I don't remember a lot of exclamation points or anything like that on the page. But I did get the feeling while reading it that there was someone sitting over my shoulder watching me read it. And they thought it was hilarious. Oh, And they were expecting me to think it was hilarious. So I kind of got like this, "Uh uh-huh, see? See, it's really funny, right? Uh Uh-huh. Like that sort of energy from it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was that. I don't know. I don't know what to attribute it to. Again, it might be a me thing. It might have been just it was a too high energy and I just wasn't in a high energy place. And so we weren't vibing. It could have been that. I just know... That at certain intervals, I felt uncomfortable enough to where I literally had to stop. (laughs) I'm like, and I'm done. For now. I will listen later.
0: It's like taking a bite of something sugary and it's so sugary it hurts your teeth. Yeah. To me, the way the story was written, it felt very self-conscious about its humorousness. Yeah. Yeah like I described. See, see, this is funny. Look, we have hijinks. Look at the hijinks. Yeah,
1: there was just certain things. Maybe it's because there were things in the story that I just couldn't take with such a carefree spirit, which was sort of intended. I get the feeling that this book was supposed to be one of those. Oh, what's the expression?
0: Frothy? Yeah, fluffy,
1: cozy. You know, like a feel feel good? Not feel good. But like, cathartic romance i don't know if cathartic romance is the right way to
0: put it no i think just rom-com it's very much rom-com
1: yeah there were things that just made me way more uncomfortable than maybe other listeners slash readers would find like the cavalier gun use (sighs) the gun in the neighborhood oh it's fine no one takes it seriously nobody does and i'm like this is weird i i don't understand where where is this What planet is this on? It's in Indiana. It just, it seemed strange to me. (laughs) I mean, even if I know them in my neighborhood, if I see them running around with a gun, my reaction isn't eh. No. Even if I know that their profession sort of sets them up to be very comfortable with firearms. Yeah, no. (laughs) I think it was just a lot of things. It was just maybe the tension started and it just wouldn't go away. Which I don't think was the author's objective, I think the intent was for it to be funny, anyway, like I said, I actually had to put the book down because I got uncomfortable, which is weird to say in a book that it wasn't like it was a dark romance
0: where people are are into things that are just very intense. It's kind of like one of those songs that sounds really happy until you listen to the lyrics yeah, like, like any sting what song. The f- yeah yeah. <laughs> okay well are you happy for them i am happy the story was short i'm not happy for them this is a story i don't understand why they're in love yeah i wanted more of an explanation for the phone call that she overheard i wanted more of an explanation for the prom night that he ditched her over and I wanted more of them talking and or being together or something for her to actually have some reason to be in love with him. Yeah. It's like he just magically shows up to either witness something embarrassing and poke at her over it or to rescue her. And then he leaves because she tells him to go away. And I just didn't get any impression that like no longing on her part. It was pure lust. Yeah. I, it didn't make sense to me. There wasn't enough in the story for it to make sense for them to be happy.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel an emotional connection between them, let alone me to them. I could see some of their dynamic being appealing to me at certain points in my life. Here's a light story. You can't take it too seriously. I would have enjoyed the humor more, theoretically, all of that. And it would have contributed to a feel of of
0: happiness within myself, for them, for the story, all of that. I I felt disappointed about the whole storyline on Griffin's side because I kind of like the tropey guy's been carrying a torch for her for so long, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work in this story. No, <laughs> he. Has had other relationships. Um, I think there's one point where it gets brought up that he's not going to settle down till his perfect woman is available. But it doesn't feel like he was really waiting for her. I mean, I guess sort of, kind of, a little bit, but not really. I don't know. Then again, should he? Because she's fucking married. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's this weird sort of, it feels like they're
1: rebounding. Yeah. And they bounced into each other. And they'll bounce out of each other with a romance where you have they've known each other for a really long time. And then there was a person, I mean, not to sound mean about it, but like there was a character in the way, right? The Alex character. And Alex screws up. Yay. It it paves the path for Griffin and Kennedy to get together. And so there's no there was no like I long for this person on either side.
0: I feel like there was an attempt made Hmm. uh, with Griffin saying things like, I've wanted you like this for 18 years. I think... And then Kennedy thinking back to how she had a crush on Griffin in high school and considered breaking up with Alex for him. I think there was an attempt. Yes. Yeah, I can see
1: that. Yeah, I think that's also where the humor got in the way. I agree. Instead of having some sort of more... Earnest
0: feelings. Right. We didn't get a chance to feel any of the pining because it was too funny.
1: We were too busy laughing.
0: Let's rate them. Okay. How do you rate Kennedy? I put her as
1: awkward. Kind of almost awful, but more towards awkward. She was a challenge. I mentioned before, there are definitely aspects of her character that. Other versions of myself really would have clung to and related to. And were I a different me, I probably would feel differently about her. But the me that I am now, (laughs) who knows? Maybe next week it'll be different. But the me that I am now just couldn't with her. It's tricky because with a main character, there is that phrase of you either have to connect with them or they have to be interesting. Mm hmm. There were parts of me that could have connected to Kennedy. And I think if she felt more like, uh, I don't know, felt more like a person rather than like a a walking rage machine. Yeah. Then maybe because I, I get the walking rage machine, but that doesn't pair well to me with. Uh, oh, yeah. And by the way, we're going to fall in love, too. <laughs> Angry fuck, maybe, but not fall in love. Like, I don't know. <laughs> You know, and or at least like I said, or find interesting, and I guess I just didn't. And I didn't I didn't see much of a journey for her. No. Not really. You know, the Kennedy you get in the beginning is kinda of the Kennedy you get at the end, for better or worse. Truthfully, if she if she were a male character, I don't know if I would be as quote unquote at her in my head going, like where's your compassion, man? <laughs> or woman person? Bean, whatever. You know, because we certainly don't, or at least I don't typically look to male characters and being like, you should be more compassionate.
0: <laughs> you know, there's not the judgy tone to it. Oh, okay. So maybe you're judging her harder than you would have if she were not. Maybe. A and maybe woman. that's because I
1: know potentially I could very much relate to her. And I'm like, <laughs> you're bringing out my anger. My anger at you. Comedy is. Especially certain types of are very much rooted in anger. So Kennedy got that note and ran with it. But she didn't feel very flushed out, maybe, as a result. And maybe that's because her divorce and everything, return from Afghanistan, all of that. Maybe that's too recent. She's got a lot of stuff she's walking around with that she's not dealing with. So she's not letting the reader in, I think. Or maybe she is, and I'm... maybe it's me. What about you?
0: i rate her awkward i agree with you that she was very ragey i thought it could have been okay but for whatever reason i couldn't really understand it very well yeah it would have made sense for her to be ragey with alex but she really wasn't no yes take the girls enjoy
1: yeah that's where she was surprisingly calm and i'm like i don't understand unless you're keeping it really bottled up and it's coming out everywhere
0: else which i was glad that she treated alex that way but it didn't really fit no it seemed weird because he was the one who wronged her and then i think she didn't really let out too much of that anger with griffin either even though he wronged her as well because every time he wants to talk she tells him to go fuck off so he keeps trying to talk to her, trying to figure her out, trying to handle it, trying to apologize. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to do. We don't ever get to know because she's like, yeah, no, I'm, I have no time for this. Goodbye. I think she had a bit of a sense of humor that was fun. It's kind of tied into the whole thing with her dad not liking it when people say goddamn, but... Instead of goddamn, there's G.D. that they say. Mm -hmm. And at the end of pretty much every chapter, she'd say, G.D., whatever just happened. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I could see her being kind of self-deprecating a little bit. I just, I I agree with your assessment. She didn't feel like a whole person. She didn't feel three-dimensional. She felt like a walking stereotype a lot of the time. Just angry not like other girls sort of person i i I guess like okay i wanted better for her (laughs)
1: yeah me too i mean like there's that point where she's like when they're at the bar and she starts feeling hard on herself yeah there's places for vulnerability with this character her getting to maybe not the absolute root cause of all of her anger or some of it so she can have some sort of emotional journey that would be nice And I felt a little bit of whiplash because I'm like, you just did that. I mean, in your head, mostly, but like dressing down of Chloe. And now I'm supposed to feel bad for you. (laughs) Not that I don't. Because you don't don't look like her. Because I do. (laughs) Maybe it's because I know I can relate to her and in some ways do. So I do feel bad for her. But at the same time, I'm like yeah but it kind of only goes so far because like, dude, you need to have an outlet for this.
0: I worry about this couple going forward, yeah, because she's so ragey, hmm, and her propensity for violence
1: women's rage often gets laughed off either oh, it's hysteria or or whatever it shouldn't be it's there for a reason. I was hoping for something, and i I might have felt differently about the kennedy character if any of that was more explored rather than the let's have some more jokes especially jokes about other people at their expense where you sort of get the impression that she's punching down
0: oh she totally is punching down the whole time
1: yeah that's where it's sort of like oh yeah and again if she was working on some of that anger or we were getting to the root of something then it would be like
0: even though it's like, oh, you're still pinching down, but I kind of see where you are. Or if she had a moment of self-reflection and she realized, oh, wait, that was shitty of me. Yeah, or if her... (laughs) I mean, because there's the younger daughter who's like her. If she
1: saw her younger daughter behaving exactly as Kennedy is.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the daughters a little bit because the older daughter is like a super girly girl and the younger daughter is basically a kennedy clone Mm -hmm. kennedy is really uncomfortable with her older daughter yeah
1: she is that really
0: bothered me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: kennedy even says at one point like i'm so glad i have like girlier friends so that they can relate to her kid in that way you know which is fine because it takes a village but
0: appreciate the value that her daughter brought She tried to make her daughter not girly, and then when that didn't work, she's like, okay, I guess I'll have to deal with this.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is so fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, she was trying to groom her daughter to be one way. You're gonna like the things I like. Mm, That may not be the best way to go about that.
0: And then there's all the slut-shamey thoughts that she has about her own damn daughter, too. Yeah, Just, ew. Like, your daughter's 13, okay? She's trying on different costumes basically trying to figure out who she is exactly
1: and i can understand wanting guidance yeah but yeah the way she goes about it is just uh, well how did you rate griffin awkward he just he didn't make sense to me there's pininess but it was almost borderline like i felt bad for the guy okay i'm done with you leave and so he does doesn't that hurt his feelings to be dismissed? Guess not. All right. I feel like they needed to get together just to mark it off of a bucket list. We tried. Okay, moving on to other people that we drive with better. <laughs> it was concerning. Like, the whole punching his best friend is concerning to me. Like, that that's the way to solve a problem? Hmm? Well, his best friend wasn't being a good dad, so he needed to get punched. Yes. Again, not that I don't understand the impulse, but that's the way the problems get solved. And letting himself get punched. Okay, I get the whole feeling guilty thing, but yikes.
0: (laughs) He wanted to get punched. He offered that. Still. I think he felt like he deserved it. Yeah.
1: Yes, mistreat me. It's fine. I deserve it. I don't matter. Uh Uh-huh. Yee. I think he needs to take some self-reflection
0: tea. (laughs) i'm gonna preface this by saying that i think if we had gotten more of him he could have been better yeah that's true but i rate him awful Uh because i was really disappointed in the whole griffin character he is basically a prop in this story a hot prop with a big dick yeah and he doesn't have much of a personality he never actually gets to have the talk that he wants to have (laughs) is somehow satisfied with that and i kind of wavered between feeling annoyed by him and then sorry for him because he is annoying yeah he constantly shows up and like poke 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 at kennedy he doesn't seem to take her seriously it's just i don't know ew But then there are parts where I feel genuinely bad for him, too. Like when he tells her he's wanted her for 18 years and she just flips out and shuts down, which I I get it on her side, too. But still, that kind of sucks for him. He doesn't seem to be too bothered by that, though, which was weird. (laughs) And then he tells her he's in love with her and she doesn't say it back until we get to the epilogue, I think. Or no, not the epilogue. Until we get to the very end. And when she does say she loves him, he's like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. My guy, have some self-respect, please.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he deserves it. In his mindset, maybe because he felt like he wronged her. And he's been pining for her since he was yay big, almost.
0: I mean, yeah, but we don't get anything else. We have, like, these little hints. Okay, he pined for her. Okay, she misunderstood the phone call. Okay, he was a dumb teenager when he blew her off for prom. There was nothing there. It was just like little little tiny pieces. Yeah. It's like having a thousand-piece puzzle, and they gave me 20 pieces and said, Here you go. Tell me what the picture is. (laughs) Yee. Sad clown? (laughs) I'm just like, Okay, well... (laughs) I don't like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes Sad Clown. Not even Sad Clown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of where I'm at with Griffin. He's awful because the author made him awful. (laughs) Uh, That's fair. There wasn't enough in the story for him to be better than awful. Yeah. What about the villains or antagonists in this story? Well, I feel like, obviously, Alex.
1: Although, during the course of the story, not really. No. It's more like, oh, the bad thing he did was a while ago. Now, just nobody wants him around and he gets punched by his best friend. It's one of those things, like, if I think about it, I start to feel bad for him. <laughs> and it's a weird place to be in for the guy that was so unfaithful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I feel like he... Definitely has to go on the list. Pathetic average loser. Believable in some ways, yet uninteresting. So, eh, uneffective.
0: <laughs> Super accurate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it'll surprise you, but Kennedy's on the list. And I kind of feel like Griffin needs to be there, too. I don't know. I mean, definitely Kennedy. I think Griffin's more like a half-mention. He kind of is, because of the whole, like, keeping the thing from her. That was villainous. But yeah, Kennedy... Oh, Kennedy. She's definitely her own worst enemy. And if she's not careful, she's going to be having bail to deal with, <laughs> is my worry. Yeah. If not her, then what do her daughters see? Yep. You know, especially her little mini-me. Like that, like you were mentioning, her having a moment of self-reflection. That could have been well done with her little mini-me. It could have been. Or it's just, a, oh, this behavior is problematic. I don't think this novel was trying to be that. I think it was trying to be a rom-com, a light, fluffy rom-com. Yes. So for some readers or listeners, that may be what it is and stays. And I'm just reading too much into it or whatever. Anyway, what about you?
0: What is your list? I agree pretty much with everything you said about Alex. 100. 10%. <laughs> I agree about Kennedy as well. I don't feel like she's very effectively written, though. Yeah. I also put Chloe on the list. She wasn't very effective either. She was more like an annoying fly. And then, of course, there's the real baddies of the story. We have McFadden, mm-hmm. who honestly, I think, was the best character because he was <laughs> genuinely interesting. And I wanted to know more about him. Yes, I think that's why he, didn't, he wasn't on my list because I liked him. but he is a criminal and he did jump bail and steal a dog so these are
1: true things (laughs)
0: i'm not disagreeing i don't think he was effective as a bad guy but (laughs) i'm glad he was there yes and then sven who i guess is the real bad guy of the story because he's (laughs) deep in the pot world (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) all up in there uh (laughs) um he seemed genuinely scary like he was gonna shoot them he had his gun out it seemed like he was gonna win it was hard to reconcile that with his hairdresser persona they seem like two completely different people yeah I guess arguably that makes him a more interesting character that he's able to keep up this whole hairdressing gig on the side and yet somehow be big in the pot world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't that threatened. Not that that is the barometer by which I should use to put him on the villain or antagonist list. I don't know. It was all just too humorous. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I couldn't take it seriously. (laughs)
0: No, I didn't feel he was very effective. I feel like there was potential there.
1: It's strange to me that I felt compassion for every other character besides the hero and heroine. I mean I did for them, but in a much lesser degree. Even even Sven.
0: <laughs> what about the dad though? Did you feel compassion for the dad?
1: Okay, maybe not the dad. <laughs> The dad, Griffin, and what's-her-face, Kennedy. Uh. <laughs> Yee.
0: How did you rate the book?
1: I gave it a 1.5. Okay. Like I said, I, I had to put it down. Like I felt tension up in my shoulders all of a sudden as I'm listening to the book. And I was wondering why I was feeling that way. Because I tried to stay pretty in tune with how my body is physically feeling. Try to. Doesn't always work. I especially like to do that around people, (laughs) especially new people. But yeah, it was just all of a sudden, like I was feeling super tense and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm listening. Like, is there construction? Like, is there something that is grating that is making me so uncomfortable? Am I, you know, not in pain? Like, what's going on? And I realized, oh, no, it's the book. I need to pause (laughs) right at the end of this chapter. (laughs) Put it down. And thankfully it was short, it managed to finish it with all my putting down. But yeah,
0: that just, that's my enjoyment level. Uh, what about you? I rated it at a one. I did not like it at all. There was the one line that I thought was kind of funny, and then there were the amusing parts I pointed out, but there was really nothing else there for me. I didn't enjoy reading it. Yeah, I just didn't like it at all. That's fair. And I didn't think it was very well written, not due to, like, the actual writing or whatever, but, like, just because the humor didn't hit. Yeah. The humor wasn't well written.
1: It felt to me like this was a one-trick pony and just kept doing that trick over and over again. And at a certain point, you're just done watching that trick. (laughs) What else you got?
0: I would like to see what the author could do if if they took those characters and actually developed them more and added some more stuff into the story to make it more well-rounded, more going on. I think maybe the humor would have hit different. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, wasn't for me. If it could be, which maybe it is,
1: maybe it isn't. But like some of the reasons Kennedy was uncomfortable was trying to readjust to this life. Let her be uncertain. Yep. And have that be that uncertainty is, you know, the cause of her frustration and
0: all that stuff. But yeah. Or worried or scared or yeah. literally any feeling other than upset and mad. Yeah, because she was with that guy since high school, right? Her, her entire adult life
1: has been with this one guy. There was a lot there to explore. It just it didn't
0: do any of those things. I agree with basically everything you just said. <laughs> I think you have some good ideas. Yeah. I think that I, I, I'm I'm glad that you do because when I sit thinking about what I would want out of the story, I was just like, Well, I don't want this story. <laughs> Which isn't very kind. I try to be constructive. I think I would have liked more Griffin, more About him. I would have liked more of an emotional gradient for Kennedy, more with the relationships that she had. Her friends are basically interchangeable.
1: I mean, with her with Griffin, I wouldn't have been surprised for there to be a moment or a scene where she has to let go of the fact that she's Alex's wife or was Alex's wife. She's there, she's with Griffin. There's a moment of like, oh no, I can't kiss him because i'm with alex oh no wait i'm not
0: forbidden love
1: yeah and have that be part of her journey
0: literally any journey at all would be good in
1: theory if she's overseas serving who is raising her daughters alex (laughs) you know it's kind of a genuine question (laughs) i mean that could be part of the awkward thing with her daughters too is how does she relate to daughters that she hasn't seen in X while? That's a
0: good point. Yeah. Who knows?
1: Especially if you see, which it was sort of done, but maybe it was unconsciously done in the story where the elder daughter is dressing, yes, in a more girly manner, but it could also be argued that Chloe was dressing in a more girly manner. Yeah. And so it's like, no, no, you don't get to dress like that other woman where it's, Again, it's less about the
0: daughter, and it's more about the other woman. And then maybe she could have a self-reflection moment where she realizes that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then again, a self-reflection moment with seeing her younger daughter behave in a way like, no, no, you don't hit people, or you don't say those kinds of things to people. It's like, well, Mom, you do. Yep. It's like, oh, oh, shit. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do.
0: (laughs) I'm going to say there was potential in this story. There was a lot of potential that I feel was unrealized. I agree with that. Well,
1: I I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask, because it's what we do. (laughs) Did you feel romanced? No! (laughs) (laughs) Very enthusiastic
0: with that, no? (laughs) I was kind of hopeful with the synopsis of the book, thinking, oh, it's like a pining sort of forbidden love sort of second chance Uh thing and i like that and i really didn't get any of that in this book and so i was just disappointed Hmm. were you romanced no i felt uncomfortable but
1: every audiobook it's listener this just (laughs) this was not for me
0: (laughs) No, it's obvious I was not the target audience. The second it started with the physical comedy, I was just like, oh, this is for someone else.
1: I sort of was. Maybe. Maybe I am. But I wasn't feeling the execution.
0: What else have you been reading?
1: I have been reading Penny Reed, as I do.
0: Yay, Penny
1: Reed. (laughs) Marriage of Inconvenience. So this is the seventh book in her Knitting in the City series. For novelty's sake, it seems. Hey, the billionaire is a woman in this book. Yay! So this is a fake relationship, but real feels romance. So we have Kat and Dan. In order to protect what her family built and safeguarded for her future, Kat must get hitched to a wagon that she trusts. So enter Dan the security man, loyal friend of the knitting social circle. And really the series up until that point. Kat has the challenge of finding out who is trustworthy. Is it Dan? Is it those she considers family? Her actual family? Who who can she trust? Can she trust herself? We don't know. I mean, we kind of know. But she'll get to figure it out. And we get to go on that journey with her.
0: And Dan has been pining for her. Which we know from prior books in the series. Yes, he
1: He has pined for a while. There's multiple books where he pines for her. I forget when the pining starts. There's lots of piney goodness. Spell that pine scent. Fresh scent of pine. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you? What have you been reading? Is there pine?
0: No. <laughs> oh, okay. I recently finished The Paul Bearers Club by Paul Tremblay. The way this book is pitched, I feel, is inaccurate. It's treated on goodreads like it's a horror thriller mystery type book it is not oh so don't go into it reading it that way (laughs) i think that it's kind of divisive because i've read a lot of reviews about it that are one star that i totally agree with and then i read reviews that are five stars that i don't agree with at all huh however i really enjoyed the book but not for the reasons other people enjoyed it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to my
1: world. <laughs>
0: we have cookies. So so the conceit of this book is that this is a memoir written by this dude named Art Barbara. The way I'm picturing it, you have this book. He wrote it. He printed it out. And then his friend found it and started writing interjections. And then it got published. And now we're reading it. Right?
1: Oh, Okay.
0: You just got to kind of keep that in mind. <laughs> so he was a high schooler in the late eighties. He was into hair metal. He's into punk. He has scoliosis to beef up his college resume. He needs an extracurricular. And so he starts this club called the pallbearers club. So basically the members of the club go to the funeral home And are there for the people who don't have anyone, if that makes sense. Hmm. Maybe an unhoused person who died and had no family or someone else who died alone for some reason. Um, They're there and then they are pallbearers for the casket as well. It is kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. The club. I was into it. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. He doesn't get a lot of interest in this club, one of the people who joins, though, is this girl named Mercy, who he doesn't know, she actually doesn't go to his school, and he's not sure how old she is, but she's really kind of interesting, she vibes with him, they like similar music, she gets him into punk, they form a friendship, but it's, it's just odd, and he starts to feel like there's some supernatural element to her, to the friendship, to her effect on him they have kind of an off-again on-again friendship throughout the years and then he's trying to make sense of it by writing this memoir and she's like nitpicking at his memories and at some point she decides no this can't be a memoir this is a novel this is all fake she doesn't like his interpretation of her we have a obviously unreliable narrator in art potentially unreliable second narrator in mercy the friend and it's just kind of like this weird it is psychological but but it's just mostly weird if that makes sense (laughs) it does And like i said it's it's a polarizing sort of read i think that if you go into it expecting a horror thriller you're going to be disappointed oh if you go into it thinking oh this is really interesting like thought experiment and here we've got this interesting story within a story and whatnot I really enjoyed it for whatever reason. <laughs> Although I'm going to quote this, uh, reviewer on Goodreads named Dan who rated it one star. And he says, the quote story revolves around art. Barbara, a social outcast high schooler who suffers from scoliosis. He meets a weird girl, hundreds of pages of navel gazing and banned name dropping ensues. Nothing happens. Then on literally the last page, something happens, unquote. (laughs) And it's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dan. (laughs) I don't know who you are, but thank you. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on that terribly awkward note <laughs> <laughs> awkward check out our website <laughs> romancebepodcast.com for our social media links show notes and other episodes and our upcoming reads and don't forget you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon or Spotify
1: yay Spotify um <laughs> that didn't where i thought it was gonna go
0: uh speaking of spotify <laughs> someone made a playlist of every song that is name dropped in the Bears club <laughs> and it's like almost 200 songs long oh wow and i kid you not i just found it today and i'm gonna have to listen to it because it's bizarre
1: <laughs> that is cool that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> Were you romanced by Kennedy and Griffin's story? Let us know what you think on our socials and join us next time when we discuss Seven Years by Danica Dark.
0: I feel weird with my wreck, but I actually really like
1: it. Well, if you like it, then that's great. Then that's what you should be wrecking. It
0: was one of those books that I read with my mom. You know how we have our tiny book
1: club? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we usually cut the book a
0: thirds. So the first time we talked about it, she's also, what did you think? And I, like, talked about how interesting I thought it was and how I enjoyed the writing and everything. And she's like, yeah, I hate this. (laughs) She's like, I guess we could keep reading it since you like it.